Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor. There. He is. Right. He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers oil for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. So remember about a month ago when I was on these very airwaves and I was talking about how the Cubs should be buyers at the trade deadline and they should be working to contend in the playoffs and how this team is opening eyes and maybe being better than we thought they'd be. All that song and dance. Yeah, that's gone. A month. One month since then, we're talking about selling and ushering in a new era of Cubs baseball. And it's a weird feeling right now. I feel like this is what we thought was going to happen with this Cubs team, and they overperformed early on. So now we're sitting here going, oh, wow, they're selling. Yeah, no, we should not be that surprised, but we are. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz. It is great to be back on the airways. We had some Technical difficulties the last couple weeks. Obviously, last week was the 4th of July. Hope everybody had a safe and happy holiday. But we're back on the airwaves now. And yeah, let's just get right to it. Cubs lost 11 in a row after throwing a combined no-hitter in L.A., which was one of the most impressive things I think I've ever seen. And it was really, really cool. I haven't had a chance to tell the story yet. That's how long it's been since I've been on the air. And watching that game, I'm at work because this was a Sunday night. Sunday night, Tuesday night, it's either Sunday, Tuesday, or Thursday that this game was because I was at work. Those are the days I work. And I'm there. I've got three of my regulars in there, all big Cubs fans. Usually they all are gone by about 1130. They stayed until the end of that game, and then they had one more beer to celebrate. It was awesome. Like, that's one of those really cool baseball moments that I don't think I'll ever forget. After that game, it kind of went downhill. They lost the series to the Dodgers. Then they got swept, and they got swept again. Next thing you know, Cubs lost 11 games in a row. In all that time, even as the losing streak was getting started, after the no-hitter, immediately after the no-hitter, I'm sitting there talking about give them two weeks. I said, see where they're at after the 4th of July. And we'll go from there to see if they need to be buyers or sellers at the deadline. After I said that, they lost all those games. So if you want to blame me, blame me. Because I'm the one who black-hatted them. 
Lost all those games in a row. Now the Cubs are 44 and 46. I'm old enough to remember when they were in first place just a few weeks ago. They're eight and a half games back. And now we're talking about selling. I keep using the clips from trading places about how the Cubs need to sell. And I can't get the image out of my head of Rodney Dangerfield and Caddyshack going, everyone's buying, then sell, sell, sell. It is a seller's market at this trade deadline. So now the Cubs are embarking, we want to say, on another rebuild. Also, I think my audio quality just took a turn, so I apologize for that. But back on point, we want to talk about how the Cubs are rebuilding again. Like everyone's talking about, myself included, about how this is a rebuild. Cubs are embarking on another rebuild. we got to go through another rebuild that's going to be painful. There's going to be a lot of losing, et cetera, et cetera. Jed Hoyer went on the Lawrence Holmes show, and I wish I could have pulled the audio, but I didn't have time. Jed Hoyer went out with Lawrence Holmes. It was a really, really good interview, as most all of Lawrence's interviews are. And here's the quote. This is from Jed Hoyer, president of baseball operations for the Cubs. Quote, with the players we have and stuff like that, I don't see any reason why this needs to be a long process like brackets in 2012. That was very different. We didn't have any building blocks on the team at that point that we knew about. It was a much longer process. Now, not only with what we have already internally, but also the kind of trends in the game, that's not something we're about to embark on. I want to make sure that we can build that next great Cubs team. Now, he might be onto something here. You want to know what the lineup was in 2012 for the Cubs? I don't think this is like, I don't think these guys were all in the lineup at the same time necessarily, but this is according to baseball reference. These are the players who played for the Cubs at some point in 2012. Now keep in mind, Jed and Theo came in in December of 2011. Catcher, Giovanni Soto. First base, Anthony Rizzo. Second base, Darwin Barney. Shortstop, Starlin Castro. Third base, the late Luis Valbuena. Left field, Alfonso Soriano. Center field, Tony Campana, who just retired. And right field, David DeJesus. Also on this roster, Brian LaHare. There's a name for you. Yeah, he was an all-star. Brian LaHare was on this team. Joe Mather, Steve Clevenger, Ian Stewart. Wellington Castillo, Reed Johnson, Jeff Baker, Brett Jackson, and Josh Vitters. There are two prospects everyone forgot about. Dave Sapelt, Marlon Bird, Coy Hill, Blake DeWitt, and a couple other names. That's what that lineup and that, that roster, at some point, all of those guys played for the Cubs. Now, let's look at the current Cubs roster. As I'm sure you know who all's on this roster, but I want to read it just for comparison's sake. In your infield, Anthony Rizzo is still there. Javier Baez, shortstop, enough said. Nico Horner at second base. And an unusual 
circumstance, I guess, before he turned into Mr. Utility Man, Chris Bryant would be your third baseman. You got David Bodie on the IL. Let's not forget about that. He's under contract. Your catcher is Wilson Contreras. Your outfield, I said Bryant's usually, at, he should be at third base, but he's been in the outfield. He's doing really well in the outfield. Ian Happ's in the outfield. Jason Hayward, Jack Peterson, Jake Marisnik, Rafael Ortega. You got Sergio Alcantara in the infield as well. Eric Sogard, who's a pitcher turned infielder, and I'm kidding, infielder turned pitcher. It seems like he's on the IL as well. Here's the other problem the Cubs have had this year is catching. Yes, you've had Wilson Contreras all year as your starter. That's great. Austin Romine was going to be the backup. He's hurt. P.J. Higgins was the backup to the backup. He's hurt. Jose Lobaton was the backup to the backup, and he's hurt. And now you got Robinson Chirinos. There's a name. And on your pitching staff, obviously Kyle Hendricks. Jake Arrieta just went on the IL. Adbert Alzali. Zach Davies. Great. Kyle Ryan. Trevor Williams. Dan Winkler. Alec Mills. Dylan Maples is on the IL. And arguably the best closer in baseball right now, Craig Kimbrell. Now, if you're keeping score at home, Wilson Contreras is an all-star. Javi Baez is an all-star. And I'm talking has been an all-star in the past, mind you. I'm not talking current all-stars, except for Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell. So Contreras has been an all-star. Baez has been an all-star. Rizzo's been an all-star. Bryant is an all-star this year and has been one. That's the star power that you have on this team. This team should not be that bad. I also forgot Andrew Chafin's on this roster. And he's one of the better relievers in the game right now, too. He's good trade bait. More on that in a second. My point. I think Jed's on to something here. I think he's on to something in that this is a different situation than when he and Theo took over in 2011 or heading into the 2012 season. Adbert Alzali is a pitcher you can build around. He's going to be good. He's already good, but he's going to be really good. You've got Miguel Amaya coming up in the minors. Nico Horner is a piece you can build around. Maybe keep Patrick Wisdom around. He's been hitting the cover off the ball. There are pieces here. It's a matter of now getting them to their full potential. And retooling the roster. Now, this is not going to be, at least I don't think it should be, a full-on tear-it-all-down rebuild. It should not be the Cubs are a big market team. They need to act like it. We've had this conversation before about the Cubs acting like a big market team. When your owner is out there in the press conferences talking about how, yeah, you, you ask about money, we don't have any. That's embarrassing. And then in January, David Kaplan at ESPN 1000 and NBC Sports Chicago was out there reporting that the Ricketts family is a billion dollars in debt. That's what billion with a B. There is a solution. And I'm surprised this hasn't been talked about more. I know the fan base has said it, but I think we really have to start thinking about this. The Ricketts family needs to sell the team. 
And I'm usually not one to come out here and say, oh, so-and-so needs to sell the team. So-and-so is not a good job as an owner. and he's Not doing a good job as an owner. He's got to sell the team. Usually you don't hear me say that. I could have easily said that about the McCaskies, about the Bears, and I didn't. Could have easily said that about Jerry Reinsdorf with the Sox and the Bulls, and I didn't. I could say it now about Rocky Wirtz and the Blackhawks, but I won't. The Ricketts family needs to sell the Cubs. If they want to give the Cubs the best chance to win in the future, the best chance to build their future, give Jed Hoyer a chance to build that next great Cubs team. They need to sell the team. They clearly don't have the financial flexibility. They Again, that billion dollars in debt just rings out in my head. Your owner's out crying poor to the media. They've got this new network that should be bringing in money, but obviously you can't plan bad timing during a pandemic. <laughs> That's just, I, I, it's an oversimplification of events, but it's just bad luck. I think the Ricketts did a good job bringing Theo Epstein in. That was a big swing. I was surprised when it happened. Obviously, they got a ring out of it in 2016. What they've done with Wrigleyville is amazing. The fact that there's a Raising Canes in Wrigleyville now after I move out of the city is a crime, by the way. There's also an Aurelio's there now, too. What they've done around Wrigleyville has been impressive. It's nice. If you haven't been there, I would highly suggest making the trip. Especially now, you know, if you get the COVID vaccine and everyone feels a little safer, 100% capacity at Wrigley. Make the trip to Wrigleyville. It's all, it, they've done good things. But now is the time to say, you know what? If we want this team to win in the future, because they're big Cubs fans. That's why the Ricketts family bought the team. They're Cubs fans. If they're big enough Cubs fans and want the Cubs to win in the future down the road, they need to sell the team. And then let the next person come in with money and be like Steve Cohen with the Mets and say, go get whoever you need. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll find the money. That's what needs to happen on the north side of Chicago. Will it? I don't know. Maybe I'm being a little irrational about this. I mean, again, I've never called for an owner to sell the team. But I've been thinking about this for a while. I've been talking baseball with my friends and people at the bar when I'm working. It's time. If I am being too irrational, too crazy about this, send me a tweet at NickSchultz underscore seven or slide into my DMs. I have my Twitter open during the show. I wish I, wish I could take calls, but we're still remote, at least through the end of the summer. I have not heard any word from the station about getting back in studio to take calls. So just go through my Twitter. Again, DMs are open. Reply to my tweet. I want to know what you think, because that's where I stand on this. I think the Ricketts family handcuffed Theo Epstein. And I used the line that David Haw tweeted when Theo Epstein left. Theo Epstein was once again the smartest person in the room because he left it. He saw the writing on the wall and said, you know what, I'm going to leave a year early. Because the Ricketts family has handcuffed baseball operations. Now, that's not to say 
Theo didn't do this to himself. The Hayward contract is huge. He threw the money at David Bodie. And there are a couple others in there as well. Now, I know people don't like the Hayward contract. There are people who don't think Jason Hayward is worth the money. To that, I say, look at the gold gloves. Arguably, the best defensive outfielder in the game still. It's not all about offense. I know, I know, it's all about home runs, launch angle, exit velocity now. Everyone looks at offense. How many games has Jason Hayward saved in the outfield for the Cubs? I don't know if I could count. You can't keep track of it on the stat sheet. But getting back on point, he's got a big contract, and that doesn't help. The U Darvish contract is another one. Obviously, the Cubs did a salary dump and got rid of U Darvish this offseason for, you know, a couple minor leaguers and Zach Davies. Oh, and they gave up Darvish's personal catcher in that deal who could probably start on most other MLB teams, by the way. I just want to throw that out there as well. Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer may have done this to themselves in a way, but the Ricketts family did them no favors. So now it's time to sell the team. So as the Cubs are selling off the roster, that's the conversation we need to be having now. Again, agree, disagree, slide into my DMs, reply to my tweet. I want to see what you have to say about this. Now, we do have the trade deadline coming up at the end of the month. It's actually my birthday, by the way. That's how I remember when the trade deadline is, because it's my birthday. Who's staying? Who's going for the Cubs? I feel like the clash. Should I stay or should I go? Who's staying? Who's going? Because we as Cub fans have to come to the realization these pieces from 2016 that won that World Series ring and ended that 108-year drought and finally, finally brought a world championship to the north side of Chicago. We've got to come to terms with the fact that some of these guys are going to be gone in a couple weeks. It is weird to think that that combined no-hitter in L.A. is the last bright spot for this group. Yes, they beat the Cardinals on Friday, but they lost last night and got shut out. It was the no-hitter, an 11-game losing streak, a win, a loss, and a win against the Cardinals, and then a loss to the Cardinals again. So yeah, the combined no-hitter was the last bright spot for this group. So, who's going at the deadline? Who will not be here August 1st? Well, I think Craig Kimbrell's gone. That's just because he's pitching too well. He's got a $16 million option next year. Again, probably the best closer in the game right now. I mean, you, the numbers speak for themselves. 33 games, a .57 ERA, 54 strikeouts. Talk about a bounce back year. 
and he also has 20 saves this year. Now keep in mind, in 2019 and the shortened 2020 season, he had 15 combined saves for the Cubs. He's got 20 saves this year. Craig Kimbrell will not be on this roster August 1st. Chris Bryant, I love him. I remember when the Cubs drafted him. I remember when he won Rookie of the Year, MVP, all the accolades, even through the down years. He's had a great year this year to bounce back from the injuries. He's looking back to his MVP form. You're going to be seeing him in another uniform. Maybe it's the Mets. Because he got that text in the offseason saying, welcome to New York from a number he'd never seen before. I think Chris Bryant's gone. I think those two are the only two guarantees right now. And when I say guarantees, I mean guaranteed to be gone. But what else do Craig Kimbrell and Chris Bryant have in common about the trade deadline? Why are those two my guarantees? Because you should get major league talent for both of them. And I'm not talking Zach Davies in the U Darvish trade. I'm talking you should get solid major league talent. I did not like Zach Davies being thrown in that deal. I think you should get good quality major league talent for both Craig Kimbrell and Chris Bryant. If you don't, you lose the trade. If there's one thing Theo Epstein was really good at, it's trading guys and getting eh, prospects back or trading away good prospects. See Glaber Torres, Aloy Jimenez, Dylan Cease. And now Jed with the Darvish deal. That you Darvish trade should have started. The conversation should have started with Mackenzie Gore. Instead, Mackenzie Gore is still in the Padres system. He's their top prospect. And you got two, what, top 20 prospects who I'd never heard of, who many of us have never heard of, for a Cy Young contending pitcher and his personal catcher, who, again, could start on probably 28 other teams. You need to get quality talent back for Kimbrell and Bryant, especially if you're committed to this idea of a retool instead of a rebuild, if you're rebuilding, then those two guys should command the top prospects in whatever organization you're trading them to. So it depends on what path you want to go, Jed. Do you want to go retool and keep some of these guys around and try to win in the next couple of years? Or do you want to rebuild and give it a few years and have some of these prospects you trade for come up to the big leagues and make an impact. Who's staying at the trade deadline? Who will be in Chicago August 1st? Anthony Rizzo, you're going to be here through the end of the year and you better get an extension. I don't think you can trade Anthony Rizzo with his back problems. He's missed a couple games as of late with that back. I don't think you're going to get a good enough value for him. And I think he's staying at Wrigley. I think he's going to stay in the Cubby Blue. 
again, give him an extension. Keep him around, if not for the leadership aspect. He needs to stay in town because he's a leader. He is, how do I put it? He's the heart and soul of the clubhouse. You keep him, you keep your culture. You heard me read the rosters compare from 2012 to 2021. Who's the one constant? Who was there for the lows and the highs and now back to the lows? Anthony Rizzo. I think the Cubs catch a break, and I I don't mean to make this sound like a joke when I say it. Hear, hear me out. The Cubs are catching a break that Anthony Rizzo's back is bothering him solely because that's going to keep him on the north side. And again, I don't mean that to be a joke. I'm being like my the wording was not great, but that's the best way I can put it. Anthony Rizzo's going to stay in Chicago. Jason Hayward's going to stay, if not for the sole fact that it's just too much money. That's a big contract to unload. And I don't know if I want to see another salary dump, especially if you're retooling. That's kind of the sense I'm getting from Jed, is he doesn't want a full rebuild. He wants to retool. Well, if you want to retool you got to keep some of these guys. That's why Jason Hayward, I mean, the big contract is a big reason why I don't think he'll get traded, but also a leadership side, and he's still a solid player. Best defensive outfielder in the game? I still think so. I know the contract isn't great. I know people want to see the big offensive numbers. And I, I feel like Jason Hayward's been better as of late offensively. I mean, he's still hitting into double plays all the time, but still, he's not what he was when he first came to Chicago, and that's also probably something to do with the size of the contract. We've seen that before. Guys living up to the contract. I think Jason Hayward sticks around. Now, I have a couple on the fence, and when I say on the fence, I mean, you can keep these guys, but if you can get a good value, you got to trade them. My first name is Javier Baez. I don't want to see Javier Baez traded for peanuts. You don't want to trade Javi Baez, who, and I know this should not be a consideration for baseball operations, but you can bet that the PR people are going to be in Jed's ear about this. You don't trade a fan favorite shortstop for a box of paper clips and maybe a bucket of baseballs. You need to get something back for Javi. If you can't, keep him. If you can, he might be gone. Wilson Contreras is another name that I have on the fence. And when and usually, like if this was a regular year where the Cubs had a backup catcher, like I don't know, Victor Caratini, is it obvious? that I'm still a little miffed about the darvish Caratini trade. If the Cubs had a backup catcher, a solid backup catcher who could start every game, Wilson Contreras would be traded at the trade deadline. But do you want to tank so bad that you're going to trust Robinson Torinos as your catcher because your backup and your backup's backup and your backup's backup's backup are all hurt? 
I think Contreras is going to stay mainly because you don't have any other option unless you want to rush Miguel Amaya to the big leagues. Which, to give you an idea, I'll be 23 at the end of the month. Miguel Amaya is a year younger than me. Wilson Contreras needs to stay because you need a catcher. I mean, unless you can get someone who can do the job all right, maybe trade him. But I I think you almost have to keep Wilson Contreras around so you have a catcher. But again, it's on the fence because if you can get a, for lack of a better phrase, competent catcher, someone who can fill that spot well and not, you know, look really bad back there, then yeah, maybe trade Contreras. Oh, hey, breaking news from Wrigley Field. Uh, Cubs Cardinals today has been postponed due to rain. That just came over. Cubs Cardinals has been postponed. I've got one more name to get to here, but first I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz. Again, if you want to chime in on the conversation, shoot me a tweet at Nick Schultz underscore seven or slide into my DMs. I've gotten a couple submissions already. I will dig into those as soon as I finish making my point here. My last name on the fence is Kyle Hendricks. If you can get something for Kyle Hendricks, do it. If you can't, keep him. He's your ace. I mean, it it feels very similar. I mean, it's apples and oranges. It it feels very similar to the Jeff Samarja situation where Samarja was your ace. Now, Hendricks is better than Samarja was. But Samarja was your ace. You traded him to Oakland for this prospect infielder named Addison Russell. And I know I've said my piece about Addison Russell and what happened after he came to Chicago and everything that happened with him. But after that trade, he worked his way through the system, came up to the big leagues, he was impact. Had to set the other stuff for aside for a second. If you can get someone like that for Kyle Hendricks, someone who can fly through the system and make an impact on the big league roster quickly, thank you, Kyle Hendricks. Professor, class dismissed. Those are my names to watch at the trade deadline. I don't think Ian Happ's going anywhere. I just don't think there's any value there. Jack Peterson's on a one-year deal. Patrick Wisdom's not going anywhere. At least he shouldn't. Again, Nico Horner's a piece you build on, or you build around. Albert Alzali is a piece you build around. Jake Arrieta's hurt. He's not going to go anywhere. Unless he comes back healthy. Maybe Andrew Chafin, just because he's increasing his value. I think Alec Mills sticks around too. But this is just the beginning. July 31st will be just the beginning of whatever's next for the Cubs. It's a big offseason ahead. Big contract decisions to make too. Let's get to some DMs here. This is from Daryl Horwitz, who used to host the show. Listening from Charlotte, North Carolina. What's up, Daryl? Daryl says, I said sell all along, Nick. You had to stick with the plan. As for the Ricketts, why I would love them to sell. 
Uh, they won't. That's why they built Ricketsville. As for Hayward, you don't pay $184 million for a defensive replacement. That's an oversimplification of events, but I see your point. Kind of like in basketball, where fans like defensive stoppers but hate players who can score and aren't good defensive players. If they can't shoot or score, they're defensive replacements and not worth near as much as a player who can create his own shot and score. Also says at least weather is included for Darvish. So here's the thing. Trying to think of a good, I mean, I don't want to mix sports references. I get what you're saying about the basketball player who plays defense and isn't necessarily great on offense. I'm trying to think of a comparison. I'm trying to think of this on the fly, and I'm trying not to go back to, like, the 90s because it was a different era of basketball. Because Kawhi Leonard right now was the first name that came to mind about defense, but he can score when he wants to. Rudy Gobert was defensive player of the year. I wouldn't say he's, you know, lights out offensively, but he can get the job done. That's kind of how Jason Hayward is, too. It's not like he's up there batting 133 with one home run and 11 RBI. I mean, let, let's see what he's hitting this year. 211, five home runs, 17 RBI. Okay, I was close on the RBI. Yeah, five home runs and a 211 batting average. Look, it's not great. But just like Rudy Gobert does for Utah, gets the job done. Are there a lot of double plays? Yes. Is he the butt of a lot of jokes because he hits in a double plays so much? Yes. But I don't think you can unload that contract. And I think he's going to stick around, and I, I tend to give Jason Hayward more credit than others. If you've ever seen the movie The Final Season, the quote is, 80% of this game is defense. And I can't remember who the original quote was from. My gut says Yogi Berra, but I don't think that's right. The, quote, the full quote is something along the lines of 80% of the game's defense, the other half is mental. You don't win the World Series without Jason Hayward, and that goes back to the intangibles, the speech in the clubhouse. You don't win the World Series without his defense. Was his offense great that year necessarily? No. Not close. But it goes back to more than just offense. I know we're in the era launch angle, exit velocity, swinging for the fences. There's more to it. Is $184 million a lot for a guy who essentially just has a good glove? Yeah. But to say, like, defensive replacement, the guy, the guy's a gold glover. Multiple-time multiple gold glover. His contract's too tough to unload. That's why he's going to stay in Chicago. Let's move over to the south side of town. Because the White Sox are the feel-good story in town. Sox are 53 and 35. 
And let's think about this too. Who all has gotten hurt for the White Sox this year? Eloy Jimenez, Luis Robert, Adam Engel was out for a while. He's back now. Yasmani Grandal is now out four to six weeks with a torn tendon in his left knee. Nick Madrigal is out for the year. That's a lot of injuries. Yet they're still 53 and 35. Remember when we were all worried about how Tony La Russa would do managing this team? Seems to be he's doing just fine. Now, Eloy Jimenez is working his way back. He hit a home run yesterday in his rehab start. Luis Robert is cleared for baseball activities as well. Sox are in a good spot. But they're also in a bad spot in terms of what do you do with the trade deadline? Because you're 18 games over 500. And in the standings, you are currently seven and a half games up on Cleveland. What do you do at the trade deadline? You don't have to buy too much. You clearly have pieces in place. If you're 53 and 35 with all those injuries I listed. But the big one is second base because Nick Madrigal is out for the year. You need a second baseman to get through the rest of the year. Well, here you Garcia, ain't it? You also need a right fielder because he just designated Adam Eaton for assignment. That didn't that didn't seem to get talked about enough, in my opinion, at least not on the Twitter sphere. And I didn't really listen to a lot of sports talk radio this week, so I shouldn't say that from that standpoint. But I'm talking on social media. I didn't see a lot about Adam Eaton getting DFA'd. I didn't like it when Adam Eaton came back in the first place. So yeah, he's gone. So you need a right fielder. Those are your two needs. You've got your left fielder coming back in Aloy Jimenez. You've got your center fielder coming back soon in Luis Robert. you got Yohan Moncada still at third base. Tim Anderson's been the constant at shortstop. Jose Abreu is still doing Jose Abreu things at first base. I think Zach Collins is doing decent as your catcher. And they also just called up Sebi Zavala, who impresses Tony La Russa with his game calling. If you can impress Tony La Russa, the Hall of Famer, the Hall of Famer baseball person, TM, with your game calling as a prospect, that's good too. The White Sox have catching depth. That's why you don't need to go out and get a catcher. Contrary to to what some may think about Yasmani Grandal, who is heating up. I know some people who do not like Yasmani Grandal. But the big need's going to be second base, because you know Nick Madrigal is not coming back this year, unless he does like a Kyle Schwarber thing in the playoffs. You also need a right fielder. Those are the two needs. I don't have names. I don't know who they should target. I don't know who they should trade. I don't know who they should give up for that. Maybe Brian Goodwin's increasing his trade value a little bit. Billy Hamilton, maybe. But I want to say he's on a one-year deal, so that'd be just a rental. I don't know who you give up. 
But those are the two needs for the White Sox. I really don't have a lot to say about the White Sox because they're in good shape, but I'm not going to sit here and do my usual Tony Lewis is not doing that bad a job rant. Like, I've done that now, I think, three times, and I bring it up any, any chance I get because I was right. But, yeah, I really I don't have a lot to say about the Sox. They're playing well despite all the injuries. Like, to give you an idea of the injuries the White Sox have had, let me see if I can find this tweet. Was it Steve Stone? I think it was Steve Stone. Uh, I can't remember who. But either way, there was one day, just within the last couple weeks, that the lineup... In the White Sox lineup, from the original plan from spring training, only Tim Anderson and Jose Abreu, they were the only ones playing that day or starting that day. The plan in spring training, and I can pretty much remember it because it was a stacked lineup. Jimenez in left, Robert in center, Eaton in right. Moncada and Anderson on the left side of the infield. Madrigal and Abreu on the right side. Grandal catching. Lucas Giolito, Carlos Rodon, Dallas Keuchel, Lance Lynn in your rotation. Not necessarily in that order, but in your rotation. That was the plan in spring training. Now, Andrew Vaughn's been playing left field. Billy Hamilton's been playing center field. Brian Goodwin's been out there too. Adam Engel's been in the lineup, then hurt, then back, then hurt. Tim Anderson's been out there. He's an all-star now. As I said, Madrigal's hurt. You need a second baseman. Grandal's hurt, but you've got catching depth where you don't need to go out and get a catcher at the deadline. I don't know if I don't know if you even need to make a big swing for a pitcher. I really don't. I think the bullpen, the bullpen's doing the job. Liam Hendricks, wow, you get your money's worth there. It's not really a lot of needs. And I know there are people out there criticizing Tony Larusa every time you turn around. They'll say, "Oh, their biggest needs a manager." Ha <laughs> ha. No, that the manager's doing fine. They're eighteen games over five hundred. The White Sox are in a really, really good spot right now, and they're fun to watch. I went to a game a few weeks ago. felt great to be back at the ballpark. It was fun. They're a fun team to watch. They're almost eight games up in the standings, 18 games over 500. Don't really need to be sweating the trade deadline, but if Rick Kahn can make a big swing, because remember, the Cubs lineup in 16 was good, and then Theo went out and traded for a Rolfs Chapman. Now, it cost him Glaber Torres, but the trade is a win for the Cubs. You know why? Because he got a ring. If the White Sox can make a deal like that and bring in a guy who can help propel them to the World Series and they win a ring, it's worth it. Doesn't matter who you give up. You could give up Aloy Jimenez and Luis Robert for someone who helps you win a World Series and you'd win the trade just because you got a ring. That's how that works. Now, that won't happen, 
obviously, but you get what I'm saying. The White Sox don't have to make a big swing. I mean, we've heard Eduardo Escobar's name thrown out there from the Diamondbacks. He'd be the second baseman. You need a right fielder. Other than that, you're in good shape. I don't expect seismic changes on the south side at the end of the month. I think they're just fine where they're at. I still think right now they can win the World Series. Especially once Eloy and Robert come back. So, are they going to be active at the trade deadline? Eh. That's kind of how I put it. Eh. They could be. They don't have to be. It wouldn't surprise me Rick Hahn is just because it's Rick Hahn. But how about what's going on with uh, Jerry Ronsdorf's teams? I mean, the Bulls are on the up and up. The White Sox are World Series contenders. Yeah, it's, it's a good time to be a White Sox fan right now. And it's also... Sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Saw something on the Twitter sphere that caught my eye. But yeah, it great time to be a Sox fan right now. If you missed it, right before I did Station ID at the bottom of the hour, Cubs-Cardinals have been postponed today. That game will be made up as part of a split doubleheader September 24th. This is the tweet that knocked my train of thought off the tracks. Are you kidding me? I didn't see this last night. This was last night about 7.40. I just saw this come over from Daniel Greenberg, who does very... He's good with the sports updates on Twitter. Uh, Zach Levine twisted his ankle last night. I don't know the severity of the injury. Thanks, Daryl, for the heads up on that one. That was last night. But yeah, Zach Levine's in the Olympics, by the way. You know, we're talking baseball in town just because, you know, we got... They're really good on the south side. They're really bad on the north side. Zach Levine's in the Olympics. And hopefully he's in some guy's ears about forming a super team. And hopefully that ankle's okay. But going back to what I was saying before, Cubs-Cardinals postponed. It'll be made up as part of a split doubleheader September 24th. So Cubs are done until after the All-Star break because it's All-Star week. That's a big reason why we're talking trade deadline so much. It's because we're at the All-Star break. Home run derby's tomorrow night, which is going to be fun. All-Star game's Tuesday. Chris Bryant and Craig Kimbrell will be representing the Cubs. And who did I see representing the White Sox? I saw Tim Anderson. Liam Hendricks will be there. Carlos Rodon will be there. I'm missing one. Lance Lynn, Liam Hendricks, Carlos Rodon, and Tim Anderson are your White Sox All-Stars. I should have had more coffee before the show. 
So Chicago will be well represented. And yeah, it's going to be fun. I mean, I don't watch the All-Star game close. Like, I don't really watch All-Star games. You know, I said this when the NBA All-Star game came around. Even when it was in Chicago, I I watched it because I think I had a bet on it, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't watch the All-Star game. It's all for show. I think the MLB All-Star game is getting more fun now that it's not for home field advantage. You know, I do like that during the broadcast, the players are mic'd up talking to the announcers. Like, I like that aspect of it, but I watched the Home Run Derby. But as far as the game itself, I'm not going to watch it. I mean, I'm a will, but I'm not going to watch it close. I'm also working that night, so I might, I might be subjected to it just because I'm going to be working and there's going to be nothing on. But I don't pay close attention to it. But still, quite an accomplishment. Four White Sox, two Cubs. Should have been three Cubs. I don't know why Kyle Hendricks didn't get in the All-Star game. But whatever. After the All-Star break, things are going to get real interesting. And I'm specifically talking about the Cubs and the shakeup that's happening there. By the way, just I got 10 minutes left here. I can talk about this. Did did you see what Wilson Contreras said after the game last night? Basically, he actually not even basically. He was ripping the Cubs' effort. So Cubs last night, like I said, lost six nothing to the Cardinals. Hey, they didn't lose today. Cubs didn't lose today. And Wilson Contreras after the game. <laughs> I saw this last night, and I'm like, really? Here's what he said. This is a direct quote from Wilson Contreras. Quote, I feel like everybody was off. Everybody was distracted. I don't know why. Probably because the All-Star break is really close. Tomorrow's the last game of the first half, obviously postponed, but this was last night. I don't think that way, but I didn't think we were on today. And then you, you read farther down on the story. And here's the next quote. I'm just going to keep doing my job. The way I play is not going to change. That's on everybody's work ethic. We have to win as a team. Also, I cannot ask everybody to play like I do or to play like Baez and I play. Everybody's different. I know that they might be tired, but I'm here to win. I'm here to compete. That's what I like to have from everybody else. And then he says that to the media. And then was the question about confronting his teammates about this? The story's from Brian Sandalo at the Sun-Times. He's filling in for Russ Dorsey. And what Brian writes is Contreras, however, won't be confronting his teammates. Quote, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of things that I would like to say, but I'd rather keep it to myself than say it. That's it. I don't know what's going on there. Like you'll say it to the media, but not to your teammates. Okay. Again, I think the only reason Contreras is still going to be on this team at the end of the month is because the Cubs have no catching depth. 
if the Cubs had the White Sox situation where they had, you know, Zach Collins and Sebi Zavala, we'd be fine. But the Cubs, I mean, Austin Romine, 60-day IL. P.J. Higgins, 60-day IL. Jose Lobaton, 60-day IL. I mean, do you want to call that bad luck? Did you sign the right guys? Did you get the right guys? I don't know. But now I think you're going to have to keep Contreras because who's going to catch? You're going to put Robinson Torino's back there? Or are you going to go get somebody? Maybe get somebody in a Contreras trade. I don't know. But those comments last night, that's not helping with the trade deadline coming up if you want to stay in Chicago. I mean, that's... It sounds bad to say, but everything's on the table right now. I think Jed needs to show his hand. And yeah, I think everybody is on the table. There are no untouchables. When I listed all these names, even the people I thought were staying, Rizzo and Hayward, I'm not saying they're untouchable. I'm saying they probably won't be traded. I'm just speaking realistically here. I mean, I don't think it's out of line to say Rizzo's got a bad back. He's not going to get traded. Hayward's got too big a contract. He's not going to be traded. I don't think that's out of line. There should be no untouchables. And I really think Contreras is going to be one of those guys who sticks around, even though he's out here ripping his teammates to the media, but he won't say it to his teammates. That just... It's not how that should work, but I don't know. I'm not in the clubhouse. That's just me. I'm just a guy talking into a microphone in his garage, which it is really great to be Mike's side in the garage again. So the story in here, we have an upstairs of my garage that this is my radio studio. Like we got a second level. It's it's like a carriage house, I guess. There's no air conditioning up here. But it's finally cool enough and to the point where I might put on a sweatshirt that I can be back out here. So that's why the quality sounds a little bit better than inside because I use, we have an office in the house that I use and the acoustics in there aren't great, but in here, they're even better. But yeah, I'm just a guy in his garage talking into a microphone. I'm not in the clubhouse of a Major League Baseball team every day. So here's what's going on. As I said, uh, it came up at the bottom of the hour. I said it again just now. Cubs game today has been postponed to September 24th. It'll be a split doubleheader that day with the Cardinals. White Sox and Orioles will be underway shortly, I think, out in Baltimore, out in Maryland. And I'm trying to get the pitching matchup. Be Dylan Cease going for the White Sox. And Spencer Watkins for Baltimore. That's going to be, that's on TV. I'll be watching that today while sitting inside because it's cold. I was thinking about maybe going to play golf today, but it's chilly and I got to work tonight. So probably not going golfing today. So I'll probably sit inside and watch the White Sox game because I can get the White Sox games. But yeah, we got, we'll have baseball to talk about the next couple of weeks with the trade deadline. And I, I might book a guest depending on what the Cubs do 
We'll see. It might not be. Might be something I want someone else on here talking us through instead of just me talking into the microphone for an hour. We also got NBA offseason. The draft is coming up, actually. The finals are going on right now. Phoenix is up two nothing, by the way. And I, I think Phoenix I think Phoenix wins in six because I, the home team's been dominating the series. Uh the draft is coming up Thursday, July 29th. So that's oh, that's gonna be a big week then. So you've got the NBA draft on Thursday of that week, the trade deadline coming up that Saturday for baseball. And I forget when free agency starts for basketball, but that's end of July, beginning of August. That's a big time in sports. And obviously the Bulls don't have a first-round pick right now, but your boy is still predicting that Arturis Kardashovas and Mark Eversley are going to trade into the first round. For more thoughts on that, shameless plug, Go check out my Believe in Bulls podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's every Wednesday, which I do have to celebrate a big milestone. I plan on celebrating it on this week's show, too. We were seven downloads away from 100 last month on the Believe in Bulls podcast. So thank you all for listening, and please keep listening and subscribing, reviewing, etc., etc. It's been a lot of fun, and I'm hoping to continue this through the offseason. Then into next season, we'll get this thing really rolling. So thanks for listening to that. Just want to bring that up on the air as well. But yeah, if you want to hear my full thoughts, just because we have like, you know, a minute left here, my full thoughts on what the Bulls will do in the NBA draft, go check that out. Apple, Spotify, it's now on Amazon Music as well. And this this last week I talked about uh, potential Tomas Sadoransky rumors and what the Bulls could get for Sato, what Sato's contract situation's like, and a rumor out of Boston that could give the Bulls a little financial flexibility. And I didn't even get into the Blackhawks situation, the lawsuit surrounding the Blackhawks. I might have to call a guest for that one, just someone who's been writing about it more and covering it more. But that's there is a lot going on right now. And it's great to be back on the airways and hoping back on here next week as well. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. So thank you all again for listening and bearing with me here. I think my audio quality got better as the show went along. It's in my ears and I can't really tell if it got better or worse. But still, thanks for sticking with me. Um, as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Get the vaccine when you can. And I hope to talk back you, talk back with you right here next week on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW 88.7 FM. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll get to back to your music here on WUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University.